It's great to be here with you. Uh, all the dads out there, happy Father's Day. And I want to say uh, you're welcome, moms. Without us, you wouldn't have Mother's Day. And so it's important that we're here. And uh, I, knew, I knew I'd get some groans on that one. But hey, that's what I live for. It's Father's Day, as you know, and I just want to let you know, Dad, you are, you are extremely significant. And um, I also want to acknowledge that on a day like this, a holiday like this, that there's mixed emotions. Uh, this is my, uh, for instance, for me, my first uh, Father's Day where my dad is, is celebrating in heaven. And so it, it adds us a lot of other different things that are happening. Uh, as good as this service is, I don't know if they have holidays up there, but, but I, I think his service was probably pretty spectacular, but he's a part of with mom, and so that's, that's a cool thing. But it's Father's Day. You know, there's a lot of things happening today for me. It's the first day of summer. Okay, I'm going to remind everyone of that response when winter comes. So when January's here, I want Elijah to tape that, and we're going to show him that in January. But that was the response we got for the first day of summer. It's my anniversary, 29 years of marriage to my beautiful wife, Krista. She put up with me for 29 years. That's amazing. Amazing. And then it's my youngest 18th birthday today. So you know what that means? None of the others matter. It's his birthday. Like in our house, that's just the way it goes. When, when he was born on our anniversary, I realized, well, there goes celebrating that on that day. So no, we're just excited about that. We're, we're, we're looking at the, this idea of mentoring this morning. And I played a little bit with the, with the, with the wording because uh, you can't spell mentoring without men. And it's Father's Day. But mentoring isn't just for men. Uh, mentoring is, is something that God calls really all of us to be a part of. And, and there's a picture that's going to be up on the screen here uh, to give us sort of an image. You know, I, I heard this years ago, and it's so true. If you see a turtle in a post, you know it didn't get there by itself. And, and that's been so true in my life, and my guess is for many of your lives as well. I've been mentored by many people, and this list means a ton to me, and yet many of the names won't mean much to you but I'm sure you, many of you have a similar type of list. I mean, my mom and dad, great mentors, Sensei Tommy Smith, uh, Don and Ann Bragg, who were middle school uh, student pastors of mine, Paul and Janet Coates, who were senior high student pastors, Dave and Rachel Dyer, uh, John and uh, Patty Bray, both were a couple of first church I ever went and served at. They poured into me over the years. Uh, Seafood John Morrow, uh, Dr. Bill Jones, who was a professor of mine in seminary. I, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of people who have, poured into my life, and whether they want to take credit for it or not, I stand before you a product of many people that God has used to pour into me in many aspects of life. Mentoring, as defined by Webster, is teaching or giving advice or guidance to someone, such as those less experienced person or a child. But a simpler definition of that is mentoring is the act of helping someone learn. It's just simply the act of helping someone learn. I, I love history. I also sort of like sometimes figuring out where do words come from? Where does this word mentor come from? And, and believe it or not, you have to go all the way back to Homer's writings. And, and when, when Homer's writing his Odyssey, he speaks about Odysseus, who's heading off to the Trojan War. And he leaves uh, his son Tamilicus in the hands of a man who's going to pour into him. And the man's name happens to be Mentor. And what Mentor does is Odysseus is away. And of course, Odysseus has no idea how long he's going to be away. And if you know the story, he's gone a lot longer than he expected. But, all the, but Mentor pours into Telemachus and, and raises him to be the, the man that his father would have raised him to be had he had the ability to be there with him. And mentoring is just a, it, it's sort of a family thing. And I'm talking about church family. I mean, 
We, we find many mentors in our life. And as I was looking at the origin of this word mentor, that, that Odysseus gives Tamilicus really over to the hands of this man named Mentor to pour into him. I was thinking of a story my mom loved to tell uh, when, when she was talking about other people pouring into the life of her children. Apparently, I, I don't remember this happening, but it was in high school and, and I was going through, I don't know, some type of teen angst. And I don't know if I was upset with her. I mean, I can't imagine I would have been upset with my parents as a teenager. I mean, that would have been weird. But, um, but, but she said, do you want to talk about it? And, I, and I, so I said to her, no, I don't want to talk to you. I need to go to church early tonight so I can talk to my student pastor. Now, when she was telling me this, I was quite a bit older, and I thought to myself, and I asked her, actually, did it hurt you that I didn't want to talk to you? And she said, it did a little bit. She said, but not much. She said, but I was so thankful that you were going to go and talk to somebody who would tell you the things that we would tell you if you had asked us. And, and that's why I'm such a firm believer in, in the church coming around each other. So I'm such a firm believer, as you'll hear later in my testimony a little bit, uh, of our kids' ministry and our student ministry, that, that we have people speaking into our kids' life the words that we would speak into their life. It, it, it's, it's in Homer's Odyssey where you have Odysseus pouring into, saying to the mentor, pour into my son. I won't be here, but, but make sure he's hearing the things that I would share. The Bible's full of, of mentoring illustrations, and I don't have time to go through all of them, but I, I put another list together. Moses, mentoring Joshua. Naomi, mentoring her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Elijah, mentoring Elijah. Of course, Jesus, mentoring his disciples. I love this chain. Barnabas, mentoring Paul. Paul, mentoring Timothy. I like that. And then Priscilla and Aquila, mentor Apollos. And that's just to mention a few. And, and to be honest with you, some of my favorite mentors come from Scripture. In other words, sometimes mentors are people who are in your life who can speak directly to you, but we live in a day and age where you can be mentored by so many different things. I mean, podcasts, but I love being mentored through scripture. So my favorite mentors are from God's word, and the reason God's word is living and active is because it's his word, and he tells what? The good and the bad and the ugly. Do you notice that in scripture? Like maybe you've thought... I would love to have lived such a life that I could be in Scripture, but understand all the good, the bad, and the ugly would be there for everyone to read for all time, you know? And I learned so much from them. But notice on the list again, Jesus mentored the disciples. In fact, Jesus said this. It's recorded for us in John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. There's a mentoring that happens through the very spirit of Christ in our life. They might ask, is all mentoring the same? And the answer, of course, is no. Some mentors are in our life for a season. Some are lifetime mentors. I have mentors for different things. I have people who mentor me with my finances. I have people who mentor me with my marriage. I have people who mentor me in my parenting and being a pastor and this, that, and the other thing. I have a bunch of mentors who pour into different things. And to be honest with you, some I wouldn't ask questions, I'd ask the other. There's some who, who have really spoken into my life about being a, a, a husband that I wouldn't ask about finances, just being honest, and, and on, on, on. And so it takes a, it, it's taken a whole tribe of people to pour into me to get me to where I'm at. And let me tell you what, I probably need twice as many, to be honest with you. Mentoring has been such, so valuable, and it's so, something that the Scripture speaks so much about. Christian mentoring is unique. Christian mentoring is different from other mentoring in that it encourages a commitment to grow in an ever-increasing degree of Christ-likeness. So the mentors in my life that are believers, the way they mentor is different. They speak about finances different because it's Christ-centered financial planning. 
They, they speak about the marriage relationship different because it's about honoring Christ as a husband and honoring Christ as a dad if it's parenting and, and on and on and on. So Christian mentoring is unique from other mentoring because of that. Here, here's a key verse that, that, to be very honest with you, I find extremely challenging. I remember the first time I, I can recall really reading it in Scripture and thinking, that is a challenging verse. Paul urges the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. How many of you think that's challenging? That, 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 that we live in such a way, Paul is saying, I'm living in such a way, he's not claiming to be perfect, by the way, but he is saying, I'm living in a way that if you follow me, you can grow in Christ. Like he's, that's the type of model Paul is, that he could say to an entire church family there in Corinth, that it, this, be imitators of me, be, look at the disciplines that I have in my life. Look at the way I, I react to people. Again, Paul's not declaring perfection, but he's this living example, and he desires to mentor these believers in Corinth and into this ever-increasing Christ-likeness. And I prayed, Lord, let me live in such a way that I can say to others, imitate me is, is so, that, so that you can know Christ. As I imitate the Lord, let me be a living example of what it means to be someone who is being perfected. Not perfect, not perfect, but being perfected. A mentor helps another take their next growth step by, by being an example and, and by teaching. And as believers, we understand that mentoring describes this, this pursuit of God. In fact, the biblical word for mentoring is disciple-making. It really is. Disciple-making, mentoring. How, how do we help people grow in Christ? How do we help them live in a way that, that honors the Lord, that they can have the fullness of God's blessings in their life? Jesus modeled mentoring. Paul modeled mentoring. And the Bible shows mentoring to be a significant part of God's plan for his church to grow. So many times, and, and, and I think it's a trapping of the American church, that we think that God's plan, his, his sole plan for the church to grow is a Sunday morning service. And if you've been around here for a while, we, we believe very much in the gathering of one another. In fact, the scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of one another. And so this is important. But you know what also is important is serving together, doing life together, being in small group together, one-on-one -on -one together, time alone with God. Look, all these things are necessary for God's kingdom to grow. And so I want to share just three simple principles this morning on how we can mentor effectively. The first is this. In mentoring, less is more. Less is more. You say, Craig, what do you mean by that? The starting point for mentoring is in the home. And it extends to your spheres from there. It's always amazed me. When, as I sort of look at the church of individuals who want to pour into the lives of other people, but not willing to pour into the lives of their own family. Not willing to, to be who they are at home that they are outside of the home. Now, by the way, we all have home secrets. All right, I mean, that's just sort of, I get that. But there's a difference between that and being fake. In there? And we want to be real, and we want to be honest, and, and, and really less is more. Jesus changed the world. This just blows my mind. Jesus changed the world by pouring into a handful of people. He said, no, no, we had crowds. Well, yeah, he did, but he poured into a handful of people. And, and from that handful of people, we're here. We're the product of that strategy. I had a friend I served with years ago on a church staff, 
And she had a, she had a commitment, and she was really good at this. Her commitment was, I'm going to make as many disciples as I can in my lifetime. The problem was, much of what she did as discipleship was really classroom teaching. And, and there's a place for that. There's a place for that. But there's a difference between standing in front of a class and teaching and mentoring, because mentoring gets messy. See, see, I can get up here and I can preach a message and not really know a whole lot of people, especially online. Great to have you here, by the way. In our Hopewell campus, great to have you. But I, I can do this, and, and certainly this is important. God's called me to preach, but there, it's not as messy as when you're doing things with a smaller group in one-on-one. You've noticed that? Because all of a sudden, hurts come up. Personalities come up. In fact, some people say, well, why are we looking at personalities in this series, this series Connected we're in? And why are we looking at temperament and all that stuff? And by the way, if you're not into that, you probably really need to be into that more than anyone else. Because it's about loving God and others and learning how to do that more effectively. And I don't know if you've noticed it, relationships can be messy. Like my wife's been married for me for 29 years. And I remember many times when we come and say, oh, wow, he's funny. That must be a lot of fun to be married to him. And, and I look at her face and she's like, huh. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't even know how to take that. She's like, he's like a big kid. I know it's not always fun. You know, it's the re- relationships can be messy. Like, I, I don't know what I did to deserve her, but I don't know what she did to deserve me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's on her. That's totally on her. But less is so much more. You know, finding that, that person or that two or that three at a time, you know? This is what I know. True discipleship and mentoring doesn't happen in mass. I mean, it can be big, but it's only big if we all do it. In fact, my prayer is that we would be a church that's so committed to this mentoring, to disciple making. If we all do it together, yeah, then it's in mass, but it's, it's a bunch of individuals together seeing the church grow. God's strategy is to reach every generation through, through mentoring. It's, it's reproducing ourselves into the lives of others. Everyone having a mentor, everyone being a mentor. I love the picture of Titus 2.2. It speaks of older women pouring into younger women and older men pouring into younger men. And can I just say, we've lost that in our culture. We've lost that in our culture. Once a month, I have the privilege of meeting with a few guys here at the church and, 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 and just, just talking life and praying together, and praying over our church, and going out to breakfast, and, and they're, they're a little older than I am, and they've done life a lot longer than I have, really, and, and they, they've gone through more than I have, and, and so when I'm, when I'm talking to them about life, they, they, they're like, the, the collective wisdom of those three, and if I mention their names, they'd be so upset with me this morning, so I won't, I won't, I won't, but, 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 but I'm telling you, the collective wisdom of being able to sit with those who have gone before me is, is something I cherish every single month. Not to mention it's the only time I eat eggs pretty much every, every month. So we go out to breakfast and that's sort of cool too. That's cool too. But no, it's, it's, it's powerful. We miss that. We, I think in our culture, we don't respect age anymore. Come on, church. It's just foolishness. I, I learned a long time ago that I can make my own mistakes pretty well. Anyone ever... I'm really good at that. Like, I'm more natural at that. You know, it just sort of comes natural to me. I can make a mistake. But you know what? I'd much rather learn from your mistakes than make my own. It's just cool, right? And, and so I love to sit around. In fact, that's why one of my favorite mentors from Scripture is King David. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? He's a man after God's own heart. And yet he messes up a lot. Like he, he allows his pride to get himself in trouble. He allows his kingship to get himself in trouble. He's a man after God's own heart because what does he always do when he messes up? He knows to go to God. That's what I've learned from him. But I've also learned there's some other things that I shouldn't do. Like, like, like in, in relationships with women. You know, you know his story? He heads up to the, to the top of the, uh, of the roof there. And by the way, he's not where he's supposed to be. The kings are supposed to go out for battle, but he stays back. What did I learn from him? You better be where you're supposed to be. Okay? And then secondly, he goes to the rooftop and he sees a young lady bathing. And he decides, I guess he's just going to watch for a while. Come on now. I've learned that's not a good idea unless it's your wife. Come on, I better hear some amens. Some of you guys are going to be in big trouble when you go home. Come on now. And I've learned from him. Like, I learned from his mistakes. I, and I look at that and I go, I want, I, want to be, I want to be better than that. And David says, well, God, put it all in here. You can learn from it. And I love sitting around people who are willing to share with me the good, the bad, and the ugly in their life and say, Craig, here's some things I did that worked and here's some things that aren't. And you may want to, you may want to take a different journey. I would be more than happy to learn from your mistakes and have to follow and make the same ones myself. It's mentoring. And you'll learn that from those who have gone ahead of you. 2 Timothy 2, 2, we're going to look at in a minute. The quintessential verse of sort of disciple-making and mentoring. It talks about this principle of generational mentoring. In mentoring, here's a second principle. In mentoring, a trusting environment of truth and love must be established. I want to say trusting first. That we have to earn the right in mentoring to speak into someone's life. Not everyone can just come and speak into my life. I mean, you can, but that doesn't mean I'm going to listen. And you do it, and you do it what? You speak the truth, but you speak the truth in love. If you're not speaking the truth in love, you're simply being a jerk. Come on now, that's a biblical term, I think. I, it's not? Okay. Still true. Still true. It's the truth in love, and you earn that right. I can remember one of the lessons my dad taught me. It was my senior summer. I just graduated from high school, and I had started working with this guy, and I thought it was going to be good. Then I realized the work he wanted me to do for the pay he was paying me wasn't matching up. And I came home and I said, Dad, I found I can get more money working another job. So I think I'm going to quit this job and go work the other job. And my dad asked me one question. He said, did you give the man your word you were going to work for him this summer? <sighs> I said, yes, sir. He said, you're, you're an adult now. Actually, I wasn't yet. I was a month away. But he said, you're an adult now. He said, uh, it's your decision. Now, here's the decision I really had to make. <laughs> I could be a man of integrity like my father had modeled for me all my life, or I could not be. Is he the choice he gave me? You're an adult, make your choice. By the way, I worked for that man all summer. <laughs> I did that. But my dad earned that right. You know, some people will say, and you've heard it said before, we joke about it sometimes, you know, don't, do what I say, not what I do. You heard that? There's another biblical word for that, and that's just plain out stupid. That, that just doesn't make any sense. You haven't earned the right if you're not modeling it, right? You can't call your children to integrity if you don't have any. You, you can't call the world around you to love if you're not showing it. And, and by the way, we can't really, in any integrity, pray for unity if we're not fighting with it with our fellow brothers and sisters around the world. These are all things that allow us to earn the trust so we can speak the truth in love. The problem is there's a lot of self-proclaimed truth makers out there that aren't really living lives of integrity, aren't really loving people. God wants all those three things to come together. But when they do, it's a magical moment in mentorship. It's a magical moment in mentorship. 
As I think about the people who have poured into my life, they're, they're people who have, who have who I won't say mastered because they wouldn't want me to say that, but my eyes say mastered certain things. And I'm like, I just want to learn from you. I want to I be like that. You know, I want to be the, the husband my dad was to my mom or Paul Coates was to my student pastor to his wife. Like I just, I was in their home. I saw them. I saw them when they would have disagreements. We would call them fights. And, and, and see them just so humbly reconcile with each other. And I thought, I want that. I want that. They earn that trust. And they speak the truth in love. The truth has to be shared in a loving way. And it's got to be received constructively. And in Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And we help others grow when we speak the truth motivated by love. But we grow. We grow as we receive the truth. See, for mentoring to work, not only do you have a person who's living this life that, that isn't perfect, but it's being perfective, it sort of earns this right to speak the truth and love into another person's life. But we have to be really, really willing to receive the truth, don't we? Some people just aren't teachable. Come on now. You know, they're just not teachable people. They just don't want to hear it. And let me tell you, this is hard. But that's when you got to dust your feet and move on. I've learned that over my life. Not everyone is teachable. A lot of people want to say they are. Like they, they want to hear, they say, I mean, I want to hear the truth. And then you speak the truth and they go, why would you tell me that? I was in a setting years ago with a friend and he was sharing with me. He says, I don't understand why everyone misunderstands me. Now, by the way, there's a like warning signs, right? Everyone misunderstands you. If you're misunderstood by everyone, come on now. He said, I don't understand why everyone misunderstands me. He was going through this particular time being confronted about something. And another friend of ours who had happened to go through AA was in this group of the three of us. And he said, you know what I learned in AA? He said, I learned that if, they say that if, if enough people tell you you have a tail, you might want to turn around and look at your backside. I thought that was pretty brilliant. And my friend said, I don't understand why he doesn't get me either. That's what he said. And I thought, dude, you don't get yourself. There's a problem happening here. And I've been there. We've all been there, haven't we? We just don't want to hear it. We think we know best. If we really want to grow, we've got to be people who are willing to learn. And if we're, if we're in a mentoring relationship and the other person really doesn't want to learn, it's not that we give up on them. We just got to move on. In order to, to, to this less is more, right, the last principle, the first one we looked at, in order for that to be effective, we have to understand that not everyone's ready to be mentored. And the decision to pour into one person is the decision not to pour into a ton of other people, if less is more. I, I can't mentor in my own life more than a few people. I, I just can't effectively, not get in their life, not, not be there for them, not, not have the access to me that they need to have and me to them. And so if I find someone that's like, isn't growing, doesn't want to grow, really, really I don't know what they're doing. I've got to dust my feet and, and go on to somebody else. That's the most loving thing to do, by the way. And sometimes I move on, someone else comes in, and they do a much better job than me. Maybe it was just we weren't clicking. It's all right. It's all right. I get it. I can't be the right person for everybody. But somebody can be. But we have to be willing to, to speak the truth and, and hear the truth. We need to have that, 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 that God moment of just, of just saying, God, I know I'm not you. You're God, but place me in those relationships that you want to use me in. Third principle, in mentoring, there needs to be an action orientation. 
To pursuing knowing God and making him known is a journey, not a destination. And I've learned some people who have mistaken uh, mentoring just simply from information. There's information junkies out there. You realize that, right? There are people who know the Bible so well and don't know God at all. And God calls us to both, doesn't he? Do you realize there's, there's Bible teachers who aren't Christians? Why would you do that, by the way? It seems like such a waste of time. But there are. And so this idea of action orientation, I want to grow in Christ. I love how Paul words it. He's talking about his journey of knowing God and making him known. It's one of my favorite passages in Paul's writings, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. I love that. Paul said, I'm not perfect yet. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straying forward to lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the inward call of God in Christ Jesus. A few things there just really just jump out at me. Again, Paul, and I keep saying this because I think it's just so important because I hear people say I can't mentor someone or I can't disciple someone because I'm not further down the road. I'm not, I don't know enough yet. And here's the reality. You don't need to know a ton. You just need to be willing to share the little bit you know and to learn. Paul says, I'm not perfect. It's an interesting thing. I still have the first Bible that was ever given to me. I was five years old. I was at a vacation Bible school. I received Christ. I know it was me and this, this little young lady. We were both in kindergarten. And we went up. And you have to understand, if you don't know my story, I was not raised in the church, so to speak. My parents weren't Christians. They dropped me off at Sunday school. They let me go to this vacation Bible study. But we weren't a Christian home. We were just a moral home. And so when the guy was talking to me about Christ, I don't remember the whole conversation. I just remember I didn't know Christianese at the time. You know Christianese, right? All the Christian words that people outside this building don't know. And he would say to me, do you know what this means? I'd say, absolutely not. And he would describe, he was so patient with me. But at the end, I knew this. The Jesus you talk about is the one I need in my life. And he gave me a Bible that I couldn't read. I was five. And I was really slow in the whole reading category. And it was King James. I don't actually believe I've ever read from that Bible. I mean, I'm just being honest, but I still have it. It's in my office, a little red Bible. And he gave it to me. And then, and then I went through middle school and I started to learn that you really are supposed to learn from the Bible. It took that long for someone to really tell me that you can learn yourself. Like I had Sunday school teachers pouring in me, but all of a sudden you can learn yourself. And then all of a sudden I got to college, and I, I mean, all of a sudden I got to high school and it was, you, you can actually read it. And someone taught me how to read scripture and how to, how to pull truth out of it. And, and, and so what I did for a full year, I would read the Bible. I was probably about 15 years old and I'd write questions. And then on Wednesday night, which was our student ministry night, I would rush to the student ministry and I would look for the first adult I could find and ask them the question of the week. And they would, they would sit patiently and work through it with me. What I didn't know until years later, while sitting with one of those adult leaders and they said, you scared us to death. <laughs> like, like, I never knew it. I never knew it. Like, I thought they were looking forward to me asking them questions. I really did. They said, you scared us to death. I said, why? They said, because you were asking good questions and we didn't always have the answers. But I, just, I always remember them being willing to, to sit with me and if they didn't know the answer, they said, we can find it together. I was just so inquisitive. I just, I just couldn't get enough of learning from God's word. And they always put a smile on their face, although apparently they were a little scared about it. And, and they, they spoke into my life. 
I learned two things from there, by the way. As I look back, that sort of became a part of my experience as I started to pour into the lives of others. Mentoring often causes us to step out of our comfort zone. See, it's one thing for someone to come and ask me a question. It's another thing to say, hey, would you pour into my life? And for me to feel like, why would they want me to pour into their life? It's a little unnerving. But yet such an amazing, amazing responsibility and privilege. I've also realized this, that many mentors won't ask you. Like, people won't come up often and say, can I pour into your life? You've got to seek out mentors. Like, you need to seek them out and ask if they'll pour into your life. And, and by the way, someone, most will say yes, almost all of them will say yes. But even if they say no, just keep going until you find someone to pour into your life. We have a one-on-one ministry here that's set up to connect people to pour into each other's life. Go online, connect with us, find out how you can be a part of it. Go to one of our, our Crosswind Centrals. Go, go and ask questions about that. Be a part of that. The other thing I've learned, and it's really given me a little peace when it comes to this mentoring thing, I don't have to have all the answers. And the reality of it is many times I may not. And I say, Let's discover this together. That's some of the most powerful. Here's the reality. There's people I pour into and I know the answer and I won't give it to them. Because the greatest gift I can give someone is to learn how to find an answer, not just hear one. Come on, church. If I can teach someone how to explore God's word and adequately see his truth in it, then they're spiritually dangerous in a positive way for the rest of their life. And Paul's saying this. He uses this running imagery, which is really foreign to me, but he uses this running imagery. He says, I'm running. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, church, right? Because we won't be perfected until Christ's return when we see him face to face. But man, he is going for the prize. See, a mentor is not a better person than the one they're pouring into. They're simply further down the road. And this is God's plan for mentoring. God's plan for mentoring. 2 Timothy 2.2, I said the quintessential verse for mentoring. Which you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Four generations. Paul pouring into Timothy. Timothy pouring into others. Others pouring into still others. I don't believe this is an expression necessarily of age further down the road. It's a growing environment where believers are pouring into one another. We are made to do life together, church. Kevin Harney in his book, Reckless Faith, writes, there's nothing more significant than loving relationships in the entire universe Nothing trumps their value and importance. I shared a little bit, and if you've been around, you've heard my story quite a bit. But, but I came to Christ when I was five. My parents didn't come to Christ until I was 15. For whatever reason, they dropped me off at church for Sunday school, then they would go off and do something else. They didn't go to church. But I'm so thankful that, that my parents were moral leaders in our home. They modeled a strong marriage, but they weren't my spiritual parents. They really weren't. Mrs. Graham, a Sunday school teacher, was my spiritual mom for a while. Don and Ann Bragg were spiritual parents for my, of mine. And, and they poured into me. That's, again, why I feel so strong, so strong about our kids' ministry here and our student ministry here. And this isn't an infomercial, but it's why I feel so strong that for summer serve, man, if, if, if you are able to jump in for at least one service, pour into a kid's life, you just never know. I wonder, I'm guaranteeing you, some of my Sunday school teachers never thought he's going to be a pastor. There's many things they probably thought. I don't think they thought that. 
but because of their patience and love, here I stand. You just never know the difference God can use you to make. I do know this. God calls all of us to be mentored and be mentors. And I also realize in our spiritual journey, there comes a point in each and every one of our lives where we don't any longer strive to be the hero, but to be hero makers. And what I see in scripture is that call to be hero makers. That's why oftentimes when I'm with a, around an individual, especially like you're graduating high school, I say, remember me when you enter into your kingdom, you know? Uh, my son is part of our graduating group here at the church, but that is an amazing class who are graduating. Sharp people. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom, please. I went in like halfies for my son just to get a guitar. He, he's always loved music. Um, he would sing himself to bed before he could even speak, and, which is pretty amazing that he sings and stuff now because the doctor said he may not speak well because of some of the difficulties he had. And here he is singing, he's playing guitar. He's, it's just amazing to me. And so I about to say I paid for half the guitar, but I think I paid for all of it right now. I don't think I got my half yet, just in front of the church family, just, just wondering. But and it's okay. But I said, just remember when you enter into your kingdom, son, you know, remember who bought you this, you know? Remember me, remember me. I was at the fifth grade graduation, heading up into the student ministry, and man, what a bunch of sharp fifth graders. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. See, I, I, I don't strive to be the hero anymore. I mean, I want to be the man of God God's called me to be, but I want to help other people be heroes in their marriages. I want to help other people be heroes in their parenting and heroes in, in their workplace. And if we all strive for that selfless giving of ourselves for the Lord, Imagine what God would do in us. Imagine the movement across this region. It's Father's Day, and so again, happy Father's Day, dads. And what a difference, what a, what a difference you can make. And, and I don't care what your life's been up all the way up to this point. Today, I say to you, God has a plan to use you in people's lives. But isn't that true for all of us? What an amazing privilege it is to know God and be used by him to make him known. What an amazing time to live to make a difference in a culture who desperately needs to know the peace and love of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for, for how extravagantly you love me. But Lord God, how extravagantly you've loved me through other people. I gave a, really a short list of all the people who have poured into my life. And, you know, I, my guess is if I really sat down, it would be pages at this point in my life, at that moment, their, their family members, their, their, their Sunday school teachers, their coaches, their friends. God, thank you so much just for, for allowing us to do life of other people. And I pray, Lord, if, if others haven't experienced that, that today would be the beginning of experiencing that. Lord, if, 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 if we're stepping in the way of being used by you because of maybe we just don't feel that we're, we're enough or, or, or don't believe we can make a difference, Lord, that we wouldn't limit ourselves by how we see ourselves, but Lord God, that we would allow ourselves to see everything as an opportunity because of you in us. Greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. And the difference you want to make in the lives of others through us isn't necessarily just because of, it's mostly because of you. God, I pray that you would just let a movement explode from crosswinds of people pouring into people, believing in people, building trusting relationships, speaking the truth in love, doing life one-on-one in small group, Lord God, advancing your truth and your kingdom and your love and your peace 
in a world so, so desperately needs it. And Lord, I pray for every dad in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would just unleash the hero maker within them. And that you would be glorified in so many ways and will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.